Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, hello, listeners. Welcome back after a summer break here for the School of Travels podcast. The temperature has been rising in Tokyo recently since our rainy season has finally ended, and I'm now staying inside in the AC bringing you more exciting shows. Today, I have a very entertaining interview to bring you with one of my current housemates here in Tokyo, who I've had the pleasure to spend quarantine with over these last few months. Here in our house, we never know when Ms. Lenka Brinzova is going to suddenly dazzle us with some mouth-watering creation that she seems to make out of thin air in our fairly humble kitchen here. I mean, we don't even have an oven. Lenka's passion for food is infectious, and after watching her cook over the last few months, I wanted to sit down with her and hear her story of how she became a chef working in a bakery here in Tokyo, as I knew that she had also worked in two other countries already. If you look up jobs around the world, cooking is something that always comes up as a needed skill, and it's possible to even get visas in different places solely based on your chef skills. So I thought it would be amazing to hear how Lenka has done it, as it might inspire you to do it yourself or motivate you to make tastier meals at home. I hope you enjoy this entertaining interview with Lenka. Welcome to episode 41 of the School of Travels podcast. Today I am here at home, actually, with my housemate, Lenka Brinzova from Slovakia. Hi, guys. Hi, Lenka. Thank you so much for joining me today. We've been living together now for about two and a half months of this COVID pandemic time. Feels more like two years. Yeah. Like we know each other so well. <laughs> we know about each other so much. Yeah. In these two months. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Linka? I'll try a little bit, but uh, I am 30 years old. I am born and raised in Slovakia. And when I was 18 years old, when I finished my chef school I moved to Czech Republic to reach to my dreams of being professional chef and when I was 21 or 20 I moved to Denmark where I spent last nine years and now I am one year in Japan still pursuing the dream of being the best um, but not chef but just the best best person that I can be to people around me uh, while eating the best foods and connecting with cultures. That's amazing. And I have to say, living with you these two and a half months, it's amazing to see your passion for food and to hear that you have been able to go to so many different countries with what you studied for back in Slovakia. So let's talk about that a little bit to start. Did you always want to be a chef? Yeah, no, I wanted to be an actress and then I wanted to be a chef after I saw a Jamie Oliver show in TV and and he was cooking and he was like an actor slash chef. He was selling himself, making absolutely mouth-watering dishes. So I was like, hey, <laughs> that's Lenka. <laughs> but now I don't really, I just want to make food and make people happy. How old were you when you saw the Jamie Oliver? I think I was 12. 
And since then, my family, I had only one request for my birthdays and Christmas was I want his books. So I have a good collection of his books. Do you carry them around with you? No. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. And my family kept doing it because he never stopped uh, publishing books. But when I moved to Denmark, my brother remember this uh, obsession of mine when I was uh, a child. So he bought me a book. Um, but it was in Danish and it was really thick. Jamie Oliver in America and it was about like his road trip across America. And then he, there were some recipes. I have never cooked a single recipes from that book. I was just old enough and there was so much more for me to explore than Jamie Oliver. I feel bad because like I kind of left him. I grow apart mm. from him. <laughs> yeah, you grew apart over time. But he was yeah. such as an inspiration. But you. he was a great inspiration. And even though he's a commercial and very public personality, I think he's doing a great, great job. So from the age of 12, you had this passion for food, for cooking, for making people happy through food. And just so I want to say, I didn't have a crush on Jamie Oliver. <laughs> this, was, this was a very professional relationship we had in my head. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just to clarify that. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, did you, so you, once you fell, well, I don't want to say you fell in love with Jamie Oliver, you've just clarified kind it. Kind of, just not romantically. You're right. So you, that was your passion from the age of 12, and so did you know that you wanted to go to chef school? Luckily, I did. Yeah, I call myself lucky that I knew that like I don't know exactly where I see myself in 10 years if you ask me but I know what kind of path at least and what is that path exactly? yeah like uh, <laughs> sure. when I was in seventh grade so I think this is like 12 13 year old then I start cooking for my classmates and when we are in eighth grade they start asking you do you know what school do you want to apply for next year, which in Slovakian ninth grade, you have to fill out the applications for the high school or the technical college or whatever, where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So I I knew it. I'm like, no, I'm going to be a chef. And, uh, and there, everyone, I saw many, many, many of my classmates struggling with that decision. But we have this one school, which is, it's like general high school, but you not you cannot get there if you don't have very good grades, there's like a one number. Like a GPA. Yes. Yeah. So you have to have very good GPA in order to get this school. So many of them would go there and they will have four years on deciding where do I want to go for university? What will be the major? But I didn't have a problem. I, I knew. Fortunately, the school in Slovakia is very bad. It's the, it's the bottom of the bottom because it's very easy to go there. Um, because who wants to be a chef? Nobody wants to be a chef. Well, well, Lenka and nobody. So you're saying the level of chef education yes. in Slovakia? Yes, was... and the people who choose that. It's very, it's it's like one of the last things for the bad kids, you know? It's like a car repair, chef, waiter, and uh, yeah, like it's not, it's, it's really the blue collar um, jobs. They are, the schools are not really... But you were like, this is what I've always wanted to do and... How was going to chef school? It's something I've always wondered about. What, what would that be like if I had chosen that path? 
Um, I think it, it's very different if you are not from Slovakia, <laughs> because we don't have so many private schools. And But I think if you are in, a, like you're from America, and if you go, you can choose private schools where you pay money to get in, and then you get like a really, really nice insight on how it's gonna be. Or my chef school was divided in theory and um, actual work which we didn't get paid for, it was just like to practice how it is. And it's not, uh, you know, when you are in high school or in that age, you think, oh, this is gonna be fun. All of a sudden they want you to work. And you're like, oh, no, and for free. Yeah. How old were you when you were So I was 15 school? to 18. Okay, so... I, I was the biggest rebel. These were my rebellious years. I this, see. This, 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 yeah, mom, I'm sorry. I think that because I was so into cooking before I even went to the high school that I already knew some of the things they were teaching. So I kind of, I'm that kind of person is like, oh, I cannot, I can afford not paying attention right now and be a bad girl because I already know. So yeah, but not, dear children, if you are listening to this, don't be like me because I'm smart and you might not be. So I am, <laughs> I am born like with the, with the extra juice in me. So I don't really um, support other young people not paying attention while learning how to cut. It sounds like you were the smart kid in class. Like you didn't need to try so hard or pay so much attention because you already had experience and skills because you had this passion for it already. Yes, I also, um, I tried to stay humble during this interview, but yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one thing I I really just living with you for a few months now, I, I know that you have a lot of ambition and you have a lot of dreams for where you can take your life with food yeah. and sharing it with other people. Yeah, and I guess my advantage was also the fact that the others were not at all in my school. Or, yeah, ambition was the last thing the people had there. So I, that was my advantage. So when you were in chef school, was it Monday through Friday? Yeah. Nine to five? Yeah, but when we were uh, cooking, like working, like this practice part, then maybe Monday, Tuesday was off and they just gave us a weekend shift so we can experience how it is. And that how was in feels. actual restaurants? They would send yeah, you out Yeah, we were in school. The first year was a school canteen. That was like our school and it had a dormitory for the kids that were from far. So we would make food for them and then for the people who work at the school or students. And then the second and third year was a very nice hotel in the city that the school owned. And then um, they owned some uh, restaurants so we could choose if we were good if you had good grades if you're doing well you could choose where you want to go if not they would just uh, put you wherever they want to um, but in other schools for example in Denmark it's that it w- when you start your chef school you have to know where do you want to go so before you start a school you should make agreement with the restaurant and say I want to be your apprentice and for these three years the school and the restaurant will make agreement that they will take care of you and then you learn whatever they are doing my school was more like a general knowledge that I wasn't just thrown out like in Denmark they would be like and now cook Uh, and when you are a student 
you are being used a lot you know you're like doing the dirty dirty job but dishwashing that's yeah I mean. dishwashing and peeling uh potatoes to you know like these very small dirty jobs nobody wants to do everyone to be with the pan and cooking stuff you right. will be the one that it's cleaning a fish and yeah and blood and everywhere and everything so may was like the first year we had to learn how to cut how to use a knife so the second year we would be able to actually help and then during the third year every morning i think the second as well i'm not quite sure now but i i'm quite sure that the third year when we start coming to this restaurant in the morning they would have um task for us and they said okay today you are cooking this dish you are cooking this dish so we already had a dish that we had to make and or a station to be at and then we had a supervisor just looking over us that if it's made well because we would be selling it after okay i'm so curious that, that <laughs> first day in a restaurant when you're in chef school and you go over it's like what do you do that first day what's yeah, that are, are you doing so happy you were happy yeah okay. i was I'd very happy that first day just yeah cause... i was very scared but that like i i was excited and scared at the same time and um yeah it wasn't that big this hotel was very small so it was very cozy kitchen and it was divided into like a salad kitchen and then you enter another room and there is like a cold kitchen and then the main warm kitchen but it's not it's it it wasn't giant like the school kitchen was huge like very huge but um yeah it was and the chefs the our uh, supervisors those uh, those adult chefs yeah they were usually from they used to be the students of the school and then they just grow grow older and stayed there mm-hmm. they just got a job and then they were like the oldest like the senpais yeah and they would not be there all the time they would be just like looking over us did you typically have one dish you were making over and over all day long or you're making just as the orders come in you No, got no. To know how we to couldn't do that. Okay. Cuz no. I yeah, don't have a concept but of Like th- the third year like in the morning if you have the morning shift you will be cooking um the lunch menu. So they were like if there was a, a six dishes for the day for uh, for the lunch menu you will be working on it. So um, that would be your task after you have a lunch and then you clean and then you prepare for the next day. If you have the evening shift, then you would be probably starting prepping for the next day and then you will have these orders to come in. I am good at giving orders or I am good at, at talking or some something like that. So I will be not... And this goes with me uh, like all my life, all my career, that they wouldn't want me to be in that dirty, busy position where I am cutting or frying or doing something, they would want me to be by the check table where I already get the dishes done and then I give them the final touch and I can try and say yes and no. And then I will call the tickets to the others. So said, okay, cold station, I need from you cheese plate. And then, okay, meat section, I need from you steak. Well done and these things. And everyone wanted to be there and I didn't. I wanted to actually do the dirty job. I wanted to know how to make the meat, but then I got comfortable. I was like, yeah, no. To, to start out in that position, yeah. I'd be very... No, this wasn't the first year. Okay. This was like 
at the end of my school. Okay. Like that's the diamond seat. That's the manager. Yeah, position. if you if you get if you get there, at least in in my in this place, like I had that feeling. So you're saying at first you were you were ready, but you were reluctant to be pushed up into that spot. Yeah. And then got used to it. Yeah, I get there. You can get used to it being comfortable. Yeah. When <laughs> when you say you added the final touch, what does that mean? So, for example, station? you get uh, a plate with just the garnish or make it look beautiful, clean the plate so it uh, doesn't go messy. The guy who is making the actual dish is not... Uh, you are plating it, first of all. So I'm plating it. I get the food from the guy and he, he does. it's not his job to make it beautiful on the plate. His job is to make it on the pan. Uh, taste delicious. So then I get it from him and then I just put it on the plate... Or in some, or he put it on the plate, but I just wipe the plate. I add some garnish if I have some salad or or something to colder to put on the top, and then just or grate some cheese. Or if the, if it's a if it's a steak and the steak goes with a hot plate, I'm in charge of making that hot plate hot and details. I never knew that. I did not know details, that. Details. Yes. Is that common in kitchens to yeah, have yeah, somebody? Yeah. I did not oh, yeah, know yeah. that. Was... Usually. It's the the chef, the head chef who does this. Yeah, because the others just work, get dirty, get burned, get cuts. And he's the guy who holds these tickets. But I didn't know that when I was in school. It wasn't a big place. It was a small place. And this not, it wasn't the only thing I was doing, of course. Right. In that... In that yeah. And so, like you said, you can reject, you can send those plates back. No, before. no. I could just tell the supervisor, uh, this is not... Okay, and then he would do that. Okay. I didn't have the power, but I could just... I had to say, this is undercooked. And then he goes, okay, this is undercooked. I see. Yeah, we were there together. I, I didn't have the full power. I see. That's very interesting. The... I was like his assistant. Mm-hmm. I was like the supervisors, like the head chefs, little assist. I was the mouse. No, I was the man in Ratatouille. Oh. I was, <laughs> he was the mouse. I was the guy. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> uh, me too. We could do a whole other episode on food movies. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite food movie just off I the do. top of your head? And it's uh, Tampopo from 1987, and it's a Japanese film. And I'm not sure if it's 87 or 83, but it's it's the best. Me and my brother, we share love for uh, food. I mean, the whole family does, but I took it to professional life, professional thing. And... It's a movie about a lady in somewhere in Japan, and she's a single mom with a son, and she just uh, runs um, a ramen restaurant, but she's not, the ramen is not, like, it's missing something. So then this, uh, okay, I'm not gonna say everything, but it's about ramen, mm-hmm. and the movie is made so well that they show you how to make om- omurice. They show you how to make... In the movie, they're making it. Like, homeless guy makes omurice. And it just meets how our life can turn into something that we didn't expect. and But you still remember the best taste of egg omelette or ramen. And so they help each other. And it's very beautiful. It's it's so cool how food brings you back to moments in your life. Oh, I am so... Co- like... I am I am very aware of it that that thing food <laughs> is yeah I need it in my life I can I can't it doesn't mean that I need to have the best and more expensive 
uh, I, I can work with uh, cheap and not the best produce I just know how to turn it into something that it's enjoyable I really respect food and I respect those who decided to give their life how to, to devote their lives devote, yes, yeah. to those who devoted their lives to farming and cooking and such because it doesn't pay back well right. it's very Not very, very well yeah. paid at all People so are... again dear children do not choose this path if you not um if you are about money if mm. you want to have a good life i mean i did have a good life but again i was born smart so right. or you smart ambitious yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you finished cooking school and then did you know you wanted to travel around the world with it? Yeah. And, and not be a chef in Slovakia? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, def- I knew that I uh, didn't want to um, stay in Slovakia. And my... So my perfect dream was that I'm going to travel the world. Uh, and I'm going to travel the rural areas of... I'm not sure if each country. For some reason in my mind, I always have South America when I when I think about this dream but not only like back then or even now I want to see everything I am very open-minded and I wanted to visit grandmothers grandmothers and rural areas where they are they maybe don't have the best resources and but they are capable of making unbelievable things with fire and like just just a little resources you know but they can turn things into fantastic delicious things and I, imagine them yeah. all day long in the kitchen just like yeah making something yeah wonderful. like you know in italy the grandmas they already prepare three days they pre- they start prepping sunday lunch on thursday they are like they are devoted to this lunch like they're like no my pasta is the best <laughs> and i'm gonna make sure that my tomatoes take my tomato sauce takes as much as it needs and that's that's what I was aiming for because many would have I need to go to the best restaurants and I need to get a job there and high end places where I can learn but I had the opposite like I wanted to learn from people who do not have any um school not like they they don't have restaurants they just do it for for love or for passion mm-hmm. which I learned later than in life that that would be very difficult because <laughs> You need some kind of order in doing things. But yes, that was my dream. Okay, so you said you went to the Czech Republic yes. first after leaving Slovakia. I went there with my boyfriend um, because we shared the same dream that we want to travel the world. And we didn't speak uh, English. So we wanted to... The Czech economy is a little bit better than Slovak. Plus, I really didn't want to stay in Slovakia for any cost so i wanted to just leave and he said okay let's go to czech republic is not far from home we earn money and then we move to um back then it was very very in to go to england or ireland you know eastern europeans were going there to earn money so they can buy a house or they can travel so we were going for this but we didn't get in because we didn't speak English. So our goal was to earn money, go to English school or to have enough money so we can move to these countries without having a job. 
and slowly start um yeah but it didn't happen because kind of uh, life happened for both of us and we were postponing and postponing we didn't even go for vacation if i look it. yeah yeah it was my first uh, it was we were 18 both of us okay when you moved to the Czech Republic. yeah it was one Sorry. week after the school or five days after the school yeah we were just like bye it's like got my got my papers yes <laughs> yes 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 yeah. and then when i was uh four so i was 18 so two years or three years after, yeah, three years after I, my brother was living in Denmark and then he said, um, like, why don't you come with me? Mm, so I was like, yeah, but I have a boyfriend, you know, and he's like, okay, you guys come together. But my boyfriend wasn't into listening. Like he, he, he thought that my brother would give him, he wanted to take care of me. And he knew that if my brother would be there, my brother is older, he would want to take care of me too. Power so, struggle. Yes, a pa- very big power struggle. So then um, I, I, I did go by myself. This was like a years after we discussed this um, option with my boyfriend. We just, I just, I ran away from bullshit, guys. Ran away from the bullshit and chase your dreams. Your dream was stronger than the yeah. relationship ultimately for you. Yeah. You felt Denmark was calling you at that point. Not your even Denmark. <laughs> just new beginnings were calling me and bullshitless um, yeah. beginnings were calling me. Once there are too many issues that I am not capable of solving by myself that are creating around me, I tend to just cut things uh, off and just move on. And I drastically make a change. Like I move to another country or city or far away. And I start, not that I cut everyone off, just when I was younger, it happened that I would surround myself with people who wouldn't be the best for me. So I didn't know how else to, um, because I knew that I have a higher purpose than being manipulated or being um, in control of some someone's control. Mm-hmm. That's how I think I ended up. So I I just thought the best will be cut it and move on. Right. So I moved to Denmark. Mm-hmm. Which is famous for food. I mean Yes now. <laughs> yes. But when I was going there I didn't speak any any English. And I was not in the Copenhagen, I was in Aarhus, which is the second biggest city. Where my brother lived and I was um, my brother lived my brother worked at a cleaning company he had pretty good co- position and we Eastern Europeans are often coming from culture where no matter what you do you're getting paid for it so just do it well but d- not really ambitious you know like not aiming for um, higher we are like a working class people so work not, hard, not whatever you do. Yes, not yes. Very work very hard and don't have too many ambitions. Do, do, like just just do what you gotta do to survive. Just get the work done. But that's not Lenka. <laughs> so you said. So and I not that I don't have respect for these people. I, I I have because I my parents are one of those people. So I just uh, when I started working at the cleaning company, I didn't speak any English. And I enjoyed meeting new cultures. So when I met someone from Romania, I was like, with my absolutely horrible English, I'll be like, what did you cook for lunch? 
you know, like, what did you have for dinner? And I just wanted to know with food and that was kind of motivating me to go to work so I can ask these other cultures to about their food. <laughs> and so I can go home and maybe think about what am I going to cook? And um, then after six months, I just I just couldn't take it anymore. I was very, very unhappy that I had... I have a dream, I have a goal and... Or not even thinking about this dream or a goal. I just know what I am good at and I I enjoy doing it and I think that's what you want in your employees. Yeah. You want people who love what they do because then they give you extra. I was giving extra my cleaning company because I wasn't very much into it. I love cleaning kitchen, not school. Yeah. Right. So then I start giving my CVs. Uh, with my bad English, I just said, look, I know my English is bad, I don't speak Danish, but I am very, very motivated, and I love what I do, and if you hire me, I will start from being a dishwasher, I can show you, like, with time, that I am, I deserve to hold a pen and knife and support your business with my skills, so I got a job, at a Moroccan restaurant and these guys I will never forget it wasn't the best restaurant absolutely not but they but the what they have provided for me was kind of um, hope you know very sweet people very sweet because my brother I don't think he will ever listen to this but sorry Martin <laughs> my brother and his girlfriend were um, there for already four years and they or three years and just long time and they didn't move on with their professional life Mm -hmm. they just accepted it and i was like no um i know what i want and i'm going for it it made them a little bit uneasy that you left the cleaning company yeah your dream yeah like and that i and i did found it with my terrible english because I, I really had terrible English. Like, for example, I have few that I remember. I wanted to say to these girls that I work with, waitresses, and I said, tomorrow is my day off. Would you like to enjoy with me? And enjoy with me? And I didn't say what. <laughs> and, they, and they were smoking cigarettes, with these two girls, and they were looking at me. And they just, like, they said, w- say it again. What would you like to do tomorrow enjoy enjoy me and and they said they're like you mean you want to go somewhere and you like us to join you does it mean that you guys will come with me and they said yes okay then that's what i want you to do and then they explained me i am good at understanding people talking but not speaking myself Right. So when I uh, when they explained to me, I just got very shy and I read in my face. I was like, oh my god, did I just ask them to enjoy me? <laughs> <laughs> and so this this three years there or two years in this place, I'm very grateful because they gave me they gave me family feeling. They really took care of me. Did you learn English while you were there? Yes. I just from talking with people or were I, you studying? Yes, exactly. No, I went to Danish school. Okay. So I didn't, uh, while I was working, I was learning English from person to person, just what I hear and from movies and music. 
Okay. And watching a lot of movies. Yes, and then I uh, I just had subtitles on, so I can stop and uh, re replay the word I didn't know. But I went to Danish uh, to learn Danish language school. I have heard Danish is quite difficult. It's very difficult. I I can still, they can understand me. They, I I know that I'm saying it right, but my accent is very strong, mm -hmm. because they're they are born with some special skills in their throat. I don't know. There's many vowels yeah. in Danish. And if you don't pronounce these vowels, I think, by a certain age, it's very hard to duplicate yeah. them. I say that as someone who's studied the art of teaching English. It's, mm -mm -mm -mm. The languages are... You yeah. need to hear and practice that pronunciation. Definitely. By a certain age. They sh there should be, like in a school, there should be extra class. If you learn, or if you are learning a language, you should save some space for pronunciation. Because if you can read and if you can write and then you th think you can pronounce that these, these are different things, right? Mm -hmm. And if you decide to live somewhere or teach or and it's not your first language, I think you should pay attention to pronunciation. It can completely impede the understanding. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And also, I'm not sure if this sounds nice, but people will respect you better. It's true. At least if you try, you know, like, of course, I, I myself cannot change completely, especially if, I, if I'm passionate about something and I want to say it very fast. I can hear myself making some mistakes, but that's, that's life. Just try hard. As a teacher, I always told students, I wanted to say, keep talking and just keep expressing yourself. That's more important than perfect pronunciation. But I know that people really care and worry about pronunciation and how they look and sound to other people because you want to be highly regarded Are you as right? a speaker you're right but if you don't speak or if you say very little because you're afraid then you're not ah, going to say oh, as much I didn't thought about it because I'm not afraid you know you're not but <laughs> yeah. but I I get I get your point. No, I I get it. I've yeah. had a few people not be on my podcast. They turned my offer down because they were sh too shy about their terrible English, they said. But I really wanted to share their story, but their fear got in the way of, you know, getting uh, that out and so. Thankfully, I can't. Mm. I am very happy I don't have this fear. But I think it's this lack of fear that you have that really got you to where you are and now you're in Japan. You spent did you say it was 9 years in Denmark? Yes. And so you were at the Moroccan restaurant, and then where did you go after that? After Moroccan restaurant, I ended up at a Japanese restaurant. Oh, really? And after that, I was in another Japanese restaurant. Uh, uh, it was not completely Japanese, it was fusion. Okay. And then I ended up in... Then I came to... Um, I wanted to stash somewhere. And of course, it was Japan. What do, you mean, what do you mean by stash? Um, like an internship. Oh, okay. But, yeah. uh, so, it's very hard. They say, I haven't really um, researched this opinion, but they say that it's very, very hard to get an internship in very good places if you are not working in very good places. So if you are working somewhere, um, unknown, small restaurant, somewhere in Denmark or wherever you are in the world, probably if they don't need you or you don't get a luck, the right amount of luck, you, they will just swipe your 
resume and just move on even though you're working for free but I tried I applied I never got answer from anybody you were applying to places in Japan Japan and Singapore and Hong Kong how did you find these places to apply for I researched on the internet were you finding the like going to the restaurants website and yeah looking? okay also I just um, or from like the best restaurants <laughs> you know I go best restaurants in Asia or something because I really wanted to get that um, but I didn't research like a hardcore I just I, I found some nice place it had good reviews and it had uh, Michelin stars or it had re- like a yeah so then I I applied but I didn't get answer and then I started working at this restaurant in Copenhagen when I moved to Copenhagen and I was working with a guy who have been three times in Japan uh, as a intern and he was in Tokyo, Kyoto and somewhere else in Japan and very 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 nice places and he was from Eastern Europe uh-huh. he was from Moldavia he is now running a restaurant doing very well but when I looked at it I was like hey he has the same school as I do and he's working for as not so much important restaurant as I am. How did he get there? The ability to speak for himself got him there. So I was, uh, I had a talk with him and I said, I really enjoy making pastries, even though I'm educated chef. So that's not my main dance floor. So how did he manage to get there? And if he could help me? <laughs> And sorry, you met him at a restaurant. You were he was my together. he was my um, chef, so okay. he was my boss. Not the biggest, but he was one of the supervisors. And one day you were talking, and you I asked him for a coffee. I asked him to go for a coffee. I also learned that he quit his job, so then I asked him. <laughs> so you weren't working together anymore. Ah, uh, we were, but we were, but um, he, I knew he was leaving soon. Okay. Yeah. And then I told him, I was very shy to ask him, to approach him, how do I say it that I need a favor? Because I'm very bad with asking for favors. I don't like when people helping me and I don't like when they try to help me because I don't know, something, I don't know, issues from childhood or whatever. Right. right. (laughs) And then uh, I was just saying, I really, I really think he's so cool that he got to Asia three times and he was in three-star Kaiseki in Kyoto. And he was there for three months, and I think that's such a badass when he doesn't speak Japanese. And and how did he, how did he? And then he said, okay, uh, what do you like to do? I said, I really want to go one day too. But I didn't ask him, you know, like I didn't ask that question. So maybe after one hour, he's very impatient. And I mean, who wouldn't be after one hour? And then he said, okay, so what do you want? And I said, well... I would like you to ask for me if I can get uh, the internship at one of those places. He said, okay, what do you like? I said, I love pastries. Do you like classic or modern? I was like, somewhere in between. Like, I, I think not completely classic, not completely modern, just somewhere, somewhere between. And he said, okay, I think you should go to Tokyo and I contact you with uh, one pastry chef. Uh, I was there for three months and she's really cool and she speaks English and she lived in Norway. So she's Japanese and and I was like, oh, okay. And two days after I got email from them, from the restaurant, 
they were asking me for my details. And I was like, you, I don't think anybody can imagine what it feels like. Not everyone, because I, I, I was kind of growing up with um, that I will get somewhere, but not everywhere. Because I am not, I don't, I'm not coming from money. And my, ang- my language abilities are limited. Also, um, yeah, so I kind of, when I saw that they asked me, like, oh, we heard that you are good from this guy. Would you like to come for, that doesn't happen. They don't have time for that. So they said, please choose a month where you want to come and we will give you the internship. And I was like, yeah, of course, like, no problem. I'm the boss. (laughs) Yeah. So I got here and three years ago was my internship with a high level to Michelin star restaurant and I was at a pastry yeah wow what was that like it was amazing um I was uh luckily on the pastry and I felt so scared because I haven't been working in Michelin star before and I have been working with people who have but not completely everyone (laughs) and then it was very tough. It was very tough and everyone was warning me that, oh, you know, when you come work in Japanese restaurant, you will, you will not sleep, you will feel terribly exhausted, you will not eat, you will not have time. Japanese people, they don't, they will just work, 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 work. And I said, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I can't imagine how that would be. And I talk a lot, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to see it. And, um, it was crazy hard even for me as a as a stagiaire and i think it's because i didn't know what they want mm. and they wasn't they weren't talking to me because they were so focused not because they didn't like me they just were oh you are one of those because michelin star restaurant good places always get these people because they want to learn from what they are doing so they don't need to pay them they pay them with food and then you get again like in the school you get the little jobs you don't get the good, the big jobs. You get picking a flowers or you get, uh, you know, like I was my first three days I had, I think, oh my God, it was so much. I don't know. Imagine one kilo of leaf, leaves, leaves, uh, cherry blossom leaves. Okay. Imagine one kilo of leaves and those leaves were um, cooked in pressure cooker for a long time with tea then my job was to tap out the green part so i can only get the skeleton of the leaf and for three days i was only tapping with my finger like this for on the leaves cooked in pressure cooker to get the skeletons and i really hated it (laughs) I don't want to ever do it again. I was, I had tears in my eyes. I said, no, I'm going back. I am not doing this. Nobody was talking to me. And I was one of those who had, um, you know, oh, I'm coming to Japan. I will learn how to do this and that. And I saw them running around and I couldn't move for like 10 hours. I was standing for 10 hours at one spot, tapping those leaves and my body hurt. And I came very 
I can't, you know, all these people were telling me, you can't talk to them, you can't talk to them, you need, you have to wait for them to talk to you. And I, and I thought, am I in some, another universe now? I have to obey their rules. And on third day, I said, no, please, let me run. <laughs> let me use my feet. Do you need me to get something from the storage room? I will run there to get it for you. And just did that extra. And then they were like, oh, you're talking? Why are you talking? I was like, because I, I, I... And I tried to do it as fast as I could. And those leaves to finish so I can move on another task. And then I proved myself enough to my sensei. That's my sensei. This pastry chef. to That she allowed me to even... I was in charge of um, dry freezing cups for a souffle. Okay. Mm. I was in charge of... I, I had a bread. We were cooking a bread at the table. So we had these stone bowls that we had to warm up to certain temperature. And one girl got this job. But I was in charge of taking those hot plates and running to the staff and saying Japanese, this is table four. And then I gave them the dough and... and uh, oh, it was... I, I was so happy. I really was enjoying everything I was doing there. Also, I was privileged to leave early because I, I mean, not early. I start eight and I finish around 10. Uh, yeah. So the others had to stay there until midnight. So 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So once the head pastry chef left, I... I was under her watch, so she said, you go, you're coming with me home. So, not her home, but you're not with me. Yeah, yeah that's a Japanese culture as well, like you stay till the boss yeah. goes. The, the others had to stay. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. Um, one day, I stayed longer, I think it was one of my last days, it was Saturday, on Sunday they were closed. And I just, I, I was like, no, this is my last... Uh, Saturday or something and I wanted to be with my friends with my new friends and I wanted to see what they're doing and they started at eight some seven the younger youngest one had to start at seven you know those that really wanted to try harder and they left around 4 a.m. yeah and I asked uh, I made friends there and I asked one girl I was like why would you please allow me to ask you why would you do that to yourself why would you stay until 4 a.m uh because they cannot leave if they don't mutually decide on going so there was a guy who was lazy and he would hide in the storage room and fell asleep so the others were deep cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and i saw them at least three times cleaning one thing four times just so they have something to do because they couldn't find this guy and and um, then uh, yeah so they couldn't leave home because what if the boss what if one of the bosses return and see that guy working and the others went home that's a bad look so they were just tired and swiping and swiping the table while that guy was taking a nap and they never told him yeah yeah I would tell him I would tell him you are very very I wonder if this is Japanese culture or this is Michelin star culture or a combination. Mm, I think it's Japanese culture. Japanese. I think Michelin culture is that you stay along and you do whatever you have to do. You obey. But allowing someone 
to sleep while the others have to work from 7 to or 8 to 4 a.m. That is unhuman. That is not a team player. He's, he wasn't a team player. You don't do it for a team. You know, that's not nice. So if, there, if, it, if it would happen somewhere in Spain, I believe that someone would go, find him, kick his ass, or wake him up and say, I'm going to tell the boss and you will, you will get fired. You know, that someone will do something about it. But here in Japan, they don't want to be... Um, I, have, I have the feeling. Yeah. So how long was your internship? It was a one month. One month. One intense month. And how did you find Japan and living in Japan? So I stayed here for two months. One month working and one month traveling. And I usually you get internship for three months. But the pastry chef decided that it will be best for me if I stay only one month. Because I'm not getting paid for it. And it's uh, very hard work. So... She was like very straightforward. She was like, there is nothing. The season, it's divided in season. So the season I was coming to, I would be three months doing exactly the same thing. So it wasn't very effective. or So I was like, yeah, okay. And um, I was so blinded by my love for Japan. Uh-huh. But not now when I'm here second time, I am like, eh, no, I wouldn't do that. But when I was here the first time, I would just... Mm, I was in love with everything and everyone I saw. I mean, a chef in Tokyo to discover... And everything is so delicious. Like, I remember the first time I was... After work, I would go to convenience stores or supermarkets and I would just get whatever I wanted because the the Danish currency compared to Japanese is like, oh my God, this is only six crowns? I was like, I'll buy two. <laughs> and everything tastes good. Yeah, and everything super, tastes the good. At the convenience store. Yeah. And the convenience store. Yeah, and, and the ice cream at convenience store. I mean, my God. Like, I really... You know the gelato place we went to? Yes. I mean, that is that is making love to your taste buds, that gelato. But I'm sorry. That ice cream at 7-Eleven is perfectly fine. It Not all of them, but they just... They just taste so good. Like, Japanese people, they really love food. So it helps that the products they're creating are tasty. And they're creative, they're inventive. Yeah. They kind of make your, you turn your head. Like the Pinot, the chocolate mint Pinot ASMR that they were selling last month, to me, was just like, ASMR? what a cool concept. Yes, just the pop and the the feel of the what? sound of the mint crystals in your No! Room. Yes, it was a very interesting... It's the, oh, I should have bought it. Uh, I, I don't know if they're still selling I them. Saw, I, I saw some last week, but I'm not sure if I was able to find... Today at the supermarket, I, I was at the ice cream section, and two little girls came with their father, and they were just... Pinho, 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 pinho. And he was, I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh... I think they said pinho, pinho de show. Yes, pino, pino. Pino. There's a lot yeah, of different I call types it Pino. Too. I don't know. I feel, I, I, it sounds like Very a Spanish. little Mexican pino. boy or something. <laughs> like, Pino, yes. Pino, Pino. <laughs> pino, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I in, in the States, it, I mean, we have so many flavors of ice cream, but it doesn't seem as varied in terms of the shapes yeah. and the textures and all of these yeah, things. Yeah, and, and flavors. Like, I was today at the supermarket. i just give an example. And I I knew that I've got very nice selection of um, bread from Nagano. Uh, someone ordered 
like a package of bread and this girl shared with me and it's a very very nice bread there is a rye bread that you cannot get so much in Tokyo I haven't found a place like a Danish Scandinavian rye bread it's very good so she gave me some samples of this bread so I was like okay I'm gonna base my cooking this next three days on how to pair my fancy bread with my dishes <laughs> and I love vegetables, I love fresh vegetables, I was like bang bang and then I went to a fish um, department in the supermarket and I am not very crazy about fish but there was fresh squid, there was like 15 kinds of fresh fish, fresh fish? 15 kinds? Crazy, like I haven't seen this, like frozen fish I saw 15 kinds in my maybe. So then I come to a meat selection and there is a there is a wagyu, there is a normal beef and you know like just that the sheer variety. Yeah, yeah. but that fish there was a scallop. A scallop in a shell. Scallop without a shell, but with the like um, attached to its original body because you need to clean it then there was a shrimp four kinds of shrimps and i was like oh my god this is crazy and they also sell uh fish heads you know like every like the bad cuts so you can do some dishes in denmark i know i know that many countries do have these cuts but in denmark it's very fancy you only get the best cuts of meat you only get the best cuts of fish they don't sell heads they don't sell eyes because people don't eat it you know they are rich people so they only have the nice things or they've not grown up thinking that that's okay yeah definitely okay definitely eye, you know, definitely or, yeah. so i am not like oh my god i can buy this <laughs> yeah yeah crazy is that one reason that you came back to japan for a second time oh yes but the biggest reason is that i when i was here the first time and after this uh, working here I, I knew i like i was there for a month i knew no i will never ever want to work in a environment like this this is hardcore this is not this this can't even i know they are not getting paid that much for this and also just not having a life you know like one day this girl had a day off, we had a day off, we had two days off, one day you would sleep completely, the whole day, then you will eat and you sleep again, the second day you're like, oh, maybe I should have a social life, you know, so then I met with this girl, and again, we would sleep until 12, and then we would meet, the entire time in the train, she was sleeping, I was, I, I had a headache, I was so exhausted, and then we had food, we had fun, then she got super wasted, I don't drink so much, and then we went home, and I was like, no, no, no. Denmark, sweet Denmark, you know, they really appreciate good quality life, so I was like, no, I'm gonna stuck there. But while I was traveling, I I bought a JR pass. Mm -hmm. a the Japan Rail Pass. Yeah, yeah. so I, I traveled a lot, and I went to a lot of countryside, and I, I just felt a higher power from the nature and I felt very content and I f and I was in Vietnam the year before and I was not there completely alone but I felt like no I can't be in Asia alone because it's I don't speak the language the culture is so different and here I was year after in Japan and I felt so safe and so content and happy and 
if I didn't know how to get anywhere, like everything was coming along, everything was coming out so well and I was in peace with myself. So once you are like, you have to come into some acceptance with your life to have the best out of your life, you know? And I think I was in that in that place in my life where I was, it's not worthy to get upset by something I'm not in power of cha- changing. I'm not. I don't have the power of changing things. So yeah, I, that was my like. Dah. Yeah, aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> so after I really wanted to come back, but I didn't have money because I spent all my savings. Yeah, right. And then I was uh, working in this restaurant, but and uh, then I wanted to say, okay, I was in this beautiful, great place, and I want to be a pastry chef now. Because I always loved making sweets and baking, but I was chef. And that's kind of like the culture we are raised in as cooks. It's very dominant, strong, masculine and you have to be tough like you've described yeah. to us to be a And partner. being a pastry chef making cakes and creams? No, like I, I it's like no, oh my god, they're so much weaker than us cooks, you know? Like the mentality. But then I was like, screw this. And uh and I got a job at a coffee shop because my I have a dream. I would like to have a place my own place a coffee shop where we serve tea as well and i would bake fresh cakes and some simple dishes breakfast very good breakfast because i love breakfast and where would you like to have this cafe? i don't know okay you're still looking for that perfect place yeah yeah but so i i kind of see what i want but not don't know exactly where and how it's gonna look but i got this job at a very good coffee shop in Copenhagen where they make their own croissants and the guy, the owner, have learned it from YouTube and I didn't know that when I got the job, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there, (laughs) like okay, whatever and and that opened my, then then I got a job in very very good bakery the best bakery what's the name? the best bakery in in Copenhagen is called Juna the Bakery and I work there Okay, just for everybody who's going to Copenhagen. And I worked there, and I loved it. It's very hard. You know the bakery. Yes, definitely go there. And also, the other place was called Democratic Coffee with the croissants. The coffee is amazing. And Japanese guy is the head barista. Yeah. If Nobusan, if you're listening to this, you are a very difficult man. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah. And so then I came. Okay, you're back again. How long have you been here now? A year. What does the future hold for Lenka? I don't know. Exciting new things, I believe. Would you like to stay in Japan a lot yeah. longer? Yeah. I like to stay here longer, but also, if it's not in my stars, I accept it and I move on. It's not that I have a child here or... Like, I don't feel there is anybody holding me here, so... And one thing I think is so interesting is that you said chefs and cooks, they don't get paid very much, but it does seem to be a nice job to be able to go all around the world if you try and you work very hard at it. And sometimes, like you've described, you talk to the right people to open those doors for you. Oh, definitely. Don't be afraid of doing that. And also, some um, you, can, you can say, I want to go, you are from America, and then you want to learn some 
about Mexican cuisine, then you just go to Mexico for a year. And you just need to be smart of choosing those places. And maybe in that in that restaurant, they see that you have uh, you have a talent and you're good at what you do. And if you share this with them and say, look, I really wanted to explore more. I was thinking of going to Europe. Is there a place that you would recommend me to go? And of course, this is not like you go for vacation. You are working. But then on these days off you have, or you can, you know, you can take vacation you can explore more. Europe is a huge place. I mean, it's a small place, but it has very diverse cultures and small countries you can visit and explore. So then these people might help you to, oh, I know a guy in France. Um, and I know when you came here, like right now, you're on a working visa. You got a working visa to uh, work as a chef. Uh, no, they ha- the visa haven't been approved yet. Oh, okay. I am here on working holiday. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking and for I am, people that want to do what you've done here, if they want to look into the so option. So, if you want to do what I did, is I came on working holiday, and when I already came here, I had two places to work at because of connections. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't look for any... I didn't have to hustle too much around. I had the pastry chef from the restaurant I worked as a stagiaire two, uh, three years ago. So she opened uh, her pastry shop and she said she, like, she will be happy if I help her. And then the second was a baker at the bakery in uh, Denmark. He used to live here and he said that his friend opened the bakery so he can ask him if, he, if they can help me out. And so I got these two jobs. Um, uh, yeah, and then... I chose the bakery because the pastry wasn't very for me. Okay. But, like, and I know you're you're now in the process of getting a visa. Yes. But, like, you, you came here on the working holiday and you're probably able to convert to an actual working visa. But it's very, very tough for chefs. Okay. So, I feel if you are a chef with a bachelor degree, then it probably will be easy to... Um, play it around that you can get a job on the paper in an office somewhere and still work as a chef but if with my education so what the Japanese law um, says says Mm -hmm. is that you have to have more than 10 years of experience in the field as a chef and you have to have a school a chef school and then you have to have uh, recommendations from your past former employees, employers um, from these 10 years. So don't forget every time to ask your employee, employer for those recommendations. And then you need to have a special skill. So this is what they don't tell you. You think, oh, yeah, sure, I was working as a 10 years as a chef. So I am from Slovakia and I need to have a special Slovak skill. Slovak skill. Yes, that I have been working 10 years with. So they really, they say, we have chefs, we have great chefs in Japan, we don't need you. So what do you have that special that we can give you the visa? So my special skill is my Slovak pastries. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a really good tip, though, because people can plan for that now if they're listening to this. Yes, it's not easy. It's not easy. So many people that I know that work in in the restaurant here, um, 
even fine dining you can get a visa but not you can get visa as a translator or something in office you know one another but actual job for connected to a visa like being a chef and get visa as a chef that is very 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 difficult okay yeah. it's good to know that and also like you said the, the things you yeah. told us to prepare my application was in process since January I had three lawyers and just a week ago they asked for my passport to send the application and it's the end of uh, what is uh, it's now the end of June yeah it's the end of the June and my working holiday visa expires in 25 days yeah but it's corona so I can stay longer but it's just how how really tough it is Yes, but I mean you're you're fighting for this hard, and I and I I have a feeling it's going to go through, so you'll be in Japan even longer. Yeah. yeah. So if that happens, guys, you are so welcome to come. And um, if you listen to this podcast in five years, then most likely Lenka has her coffee shop with cakes. Yeah. In Japan. Yeah. So you. Yeah. Hopefully, a loving husband and child. But if not, then I'm just gonna slay as I usually do. <laughs> By my own. My final question to you today, Lenka, would be Do you have any tips for people that maybe, like you were saying, chef school might only be for someone who is really passionate, ready to put up with all the hard work you've got to do? But what should people, are there anything, is there anything that people should learn about food that they could do themselves at home that most people don't do? So my advice to you everyday people, not professional chefs, or even you professional chefs, is research and learn your ingredients. You may be cooking a dish that it's so simple, but you choose to buy something cheaper or something more expensive, or there is a species of, you know, there are so many kinds of pumpkin and you choose to make a pumpkin soup. You choose the wrong one that it's not doesn't fit for your recipe and it's gonna destroy the recipe and you'll be like oh i will never eat pumpkin again this is terrible this recipe is terrible no you are terrible researcher (laughs) so make sure that you really research and do do it the best is to go seasonal because you get the best of the season and it's fresh so you know you can cook summer is amazing spring is amazing winter is not so much because you know it's cold, but then you can, you can do things with the beans and dry um, lentils and things that are potatoes. You know, don't make in winter. Don't try to make strawberry cake because that probably will taste terrible. Mm-hmm. I, I, except you are in Japan, right? <laughs> because right. you can buy very good. They've got strawberries. Yeah. yeah. I actually went strawberry picking back in January oh here God. in Japan. It was so delicious. I, I should ask you too, like you were talking about Slovak pastries. What are some Slovak dishes that you might recommend? Um, so dear listeners, if you have, if you caught my name in the beginning, my name is Lenka Brinzova and Brinza, my father as well, my grandpa and my brother, it's our national cheese. And it's a fermented sheep cheese. And our national food is called brinzove halushki, which is potato, small potato gnocchi, which we make with raw potato flour and water. We mix it and then 
we just like throw them in the boiling water so we get these dough pieces potato dough pieces and then we mix it with uh, brinza the sheep cheese and fried bacon on the top and it is something that not everyone might like because sheep cheese is very intense and but the bacon you can have different options and then we also as a proper eastern europeans have our pierogi so fill them with anything and what would i recommend as a slovak just just call me <laughs> <laughs> how can we reach you actually how can if people want to follow your yeah. adventures or get in touch what's um, the best way my instagram is called linkalicious and it focuses on the food that I eat and I make and the delicious moments I want to share with my friends. And listeners, I will say it's very entertaining and I highly encourage you to follow it. She's showcasing all the things she's finding in Japan, such as gelato that she took us to last week, actually, as a kind of a housemate outing. And it was unbelievable. Becky saved me because I was very sad because another parfait ice cream shop rejected us because we didn't have a reservation. Then another fruit shop, dessert shop, we came too late and they didn't have anything for us. So Becky was like, why don't we go to your gelato shop? And I was like, okay. I was so sad because I wanted to have my mango or melon parfait. But it was delicious. It was delicious. Delicious. Gelato is delicious, isn't it? Yeah. And like you said, people in Tokyo are serious about their food. So guys, if you're really wanting fantastic food in Tokyo, you might want to plan ahead if you're coming here on vacation. Oh, definitely. Don't go for the tourist traps. Michelin star restaurants, by the way, normally you need about two months in advance of a reservation. So check the website, call call a hotel and have one of the concierges call because I'm serious. It's very hard to get in. And also don't be shy on researching in Instagram uh, food foodies you know because that can also help you to find a nice places if you google the best places where to eat in Japan and then you go by I want to eat traditional Japanese ramen and you find top 10 and then put those places on Instagram or check the Google review and see what people have actually what is their experience because sometimes it's overhyped So today I found a place that is super tiny and it's only in Japanese and it uh, apparently is one of the best uh, takoyaki places in Tokyo. Yeah, and it it costs only 600 yen per takoyaki and they make crazy looking kakigori. This place is in Minato. It's Sasazuka Station and it's called Minato, Minato something, like that area. Okay, so Minato, are, Takoyaki, yeah, Sasazuka. Sasazuka. look that yeah. up later, put it on the website. Yeah, it's, yeah, it looks crazy. And I found it by just going on Instagram and I saw someone posting a beautiful kakigoria. What is this? Click on it, click on location, copy-paste into the Google, and then check the reviews. And By the way, guys, kakigori is shaved ice. Ooh, and so. not just average shaved ice. <laughs> that is so good. It's it's a mountain. It's so, so big. So this place has, uh, have like a chestnut one, and they put a chestnut uh, pudding inside. So there is a shaved ice, there are some chestnuts, then there is this creamy pudding, 
and then there is a lot then there's chestnut syrup and then fresh chestnuts or candied chestnuts on the top and then they have like a and i found a lithuanian girl in tokyo make making organic kakigori shaved ice and she makes one with halva what's halva halva is a middle eastern dessert it's a sesame guys what is it sesame paste it's it's thick it's it's like a it's um I will I will actually look it up and put it into the uh, put the link what halva is. I am sorry if I disappointed you because I can't describe what the uh, halva is. You're teaching me what it is, so thank you so much. But actually, Lenka, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really wonderful living with you in our quarantine team house. Thank you, Becky, for being yourself and giving you. us a piece of you. You are so positive, and it's great to have you around. Oh, thank you so much, Lenka. You have been an inspiration in the kitchen and beyond here in Tokyo. So now I'll... let's cook the squid. Let's do it. Let's go cook the squid. Thank you so much, Lenka, for sharing your passion for food and travel with us with such flair. We are going to put the links for the restaurants in Copenhagen and Tokyo that Lenka mentioned on the schooloftravels.com, in addition to Lenka's Instagram account, Lankalicious, with an underscore at the end. I highly encourage you to follow Lenka as she has a creative and hilarious way of describing food and life in general, and is always going to some of the most delicious places in Tokyo and sharing them with us. I also hope that Lenka's confidence in herself and willingness to work hard to go after exactly what she wants inspire you to push forward with your own dreams. We need more of that during these hard times. Until next time, listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this world.